Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways cars connect us. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. Hey again to all of you. Happy Tuesday and happy holidays. This is our last podcast of 2021. That is a crazy sentence, but we're here with podcast number 663. We're ending our year this way. We will be back the first Tuesday of 2022. Just so you know, first week of January, we're back with Tuesday and Friday podcasts for the entire year. But we're, we're going to take a little break. We hope you are too. Indeed. Guys, welcome back to the podcast. We've got a great topic Tuesday from Reed S. who writes to us from an architectural standpoint. He's an mm-hmm. architect, works in an architectural office, and writes to us about prefab prefab cars and what mm. that would mean. Okay. We've also got a great debate from Dakota who writes to us from pistons to triangles and back again. <laughs> it's going to be interesting, but let's dive right into the debate from Reed S who had a thought while sitting at his office, listening to us. Reed, thanks for writing. Really appreciate it. Really appreciating you thinking enough about the Nissan conversation we had a mm-hmm. few podcasts back from the yeah. end of November, 2021, where he says the new conceptual lineup was released And that whole idea intrigues him. Mm. Being in the field of architecture, he was wondering if there was a conversation that could be had about this almost prefab-like design process, bringing that thinking into the design of cars. Mm -hmm. Of course, he writes, each brand has certain parts and features used on multiple cars throughout their lineups, but he started to think about this from his professional experience where they design certain projects for the future using a kit of parts for lack of a better term, he says, that can be added or subtracted like a school edition. Yep. Fair enough. Down the road, based on the needs and usage of the building. Mm-hmm. So that giant shopping mall that you know is defunct, it's now an indoor drift academy or something. True. Well, I'll give you another one that has happened directly with me. Across the street from me when I moved in my house was a field. I remember. And then they have built a neighborhood of about 60 homes in this field between Mm -hmm. me and the freeway. They've built these homes. And they're very nice homes. So no no critique on the quality of the homes. It's actually (laughs) a very, very nice neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. Okay? So I have no issues there. But what's interesting is many of these homes face the view. They face the mountains. So Mm -hmm. the whole back of the house you would think would be glass. But the homes were built, not prefab at all. They're better than that. But at the same time, they were built in a way, obviously, around, like he said, a kit of parts. Because I remember the day when multiple 18-wheeler flatbeds showed up with just windows. Oh, sure. Because the windows were all a standard size, standard make. And so if you had a big picture window on the back of one of these houses, it was made up of like a square of three across and three high of these standard sized windows. Right. You're getting creative with the standard parts because that allowed you to make a big wall of windows. And this results in all of these homes are, they're very expensive and they're very nice, but it was interesting to be across the street, watching them build them and realize how much stuff there was just standardized. Here's your window. And you're right. They weren't prefab, but there was uh, four or five, floor plans of course, yes. to choose from mm-hmm. that can be modified depending on your needs, but yes. then you see similar looking builds throughout Absolutely. the neighborhood, different colors, different trim levels. You had like four floor plans yeah. and four design styles. And so that's how they get mixed up. But it is obviously that saves cost and complexity. But I was just fascinated by the standardized parts that wheeled in. Reed's not saying Nissan is by any means implementing this thought process. Yeah, they are. <laughs> 
It was just the similar design of the four vehicles with their specific functionality that made his Mm -hmm. mind move in this direction. Mm -hmm. So he asks, how do you, or who does, if not already, think that this thought process could be implemented into the design and planning of vehicles in the future? Skateboard platform. I'm sorry. (laughs) Did I I say that out loud? I I thought we could revisit it a little bit more thoroughly. Reed, since this was on your mind. I agree, yeah. And I like this because Reed says, we always say cars are for tools for certain jobs. You're right. But what if you could have the functionality and the enjoyment all in one car? I know where your head is. Do we want that all in one? I know where your head all is. All in one tools. It's mm-hmm. an all in one. Every size fits all. I remember when you were actually at Art Center. Yeah. Which was technically not this century. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Dang but, it. But I'm saying that on purpose. Okay? okay. So we're talking about a couple of decades ago. And I bring that up on purpose. <laughs> Gulp. Because <laughs> I remember your graduation year. Some people's big projects were the skateboard platform. Yeah. And you would wheel it into your garage and put your pickup bed top on it and go to your pickup things and then wheel it back into your garage and take the pickup top off and put your sports car top on it. And these were their final projects. And I bring it up because that was not this year. That was not, here's my EV idea. That was modular thinking, one chassis, one skateboard. Let's put every possible body style on it. I think designers like that because that just meant you could design a whole bunch of Skittles, just yeah. candy. Oh, sure. Yeah, this yeah. body goes in there, and that's a truck, and that's a car, and that's a name the cool new thing. Yeah. And we can design a whole bunch of flavors for this one single skateboard platform. It seems like it was a good idea in concept, in theory, but then there's the <laughs> ocean of reality. Immediately followed. You're gliding along on theory, and then you have to land somewhere, and there's no land. It's all ocean <laughs> of reality. Yeah, there you go. As a matter of fact, I saw at the... Salt Lake Mercedes dealer, they have the new EQS sitting in the showroom. Mm. And the shape is groundbreaking and clean and beautiful for right now. But oh. 20 years ago, that's what everybody was sketching. I've seen that sure, shape before. Sure. This is not new. Mm-hmm. I've seen a zillion cars all in sketches that look just like that. Interesting point. And now, okay, so now this is the future. There you go. That's funny. Interesting. Which is, of course, how design school should be. Absolutely, yes. But now when we're actually tasting the reality, it actually made me think about introducing some kind of program. You and I go to the design schools of the world and we Mm. get designers into cars and have them start realizing driving styles and driving techniques and what you want to get out of a car. I don't know how to make that work. Sure. That sounds giant and expensive. And the designer drive day. I I get where you're going. I would love to share with my design self back when I was 23, 24 Mm -hmm. about what I wanted from a car and what a car drove like, because that long, sexy, beautiful shape, that's probably going to drive like crap. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, But man, does that make for a great sketch and a cool presentation? It's people and tech and gorgeous surfaces and colors. But yeah. That's not what I want to drive. But it also, back to that thing that you've said before, where you know many people that work at major car makers as designers, and they haven't even driven the product they design, let alone the competing products. Yes. And it would be fascinating to put designers in the product they design in its finished form and be like, this is how it turned out. And by the way, here's the best thing from the competition to what you designed. But see, that's taboo. That's a it is. tee-hee. I got to do it behind the scenes. I got to do it on Saturday with the cars and coffee. My friend owns that car. And can yeah. I drive it secretly? And I'm not going to I'm not gonna Instagram it because nobody knows. And that's nobody can crazy. know that I yeah. drove the competition because I work for the other company. Think about how that would improve everybody, though. Yes. Anyway. That would push everybody along. 
Reed asks, what would this look like? Would it be us buying a car and coming with parts that we add or subtract ourselves? Isn't that kind of what we're already doing? <laughs> Welcome to SEMA. <laughs> <laughs> what you're envisioning, Reed, is SEMA. Yeah. We brought these parts. I mean, if you have parts on your car mm-hmm. and the wheels are the same bolt pattern as the prior car, you're going to pull those old wheels off and put the originals back on and sell yes, it with are. old wheels. Yes, you are. You're going to bring your new oh, wheels because yeah. you're not getting your money out of them. Of course, yeah. Reed says, if you bought a car five years ago and you want a new one from the same brand, could you, could you still use the parts with a new car? Well, sure. I mean, the Porsche wheel bolt pattern has been five by 130 millimeters <laughs> since the 50s. <laughs> sure. Yes, those wheels will transfer. <laughs> Reed is wondering... How could you include thoughtful design, function follows forms, actually the other way around, form follows function, but considering, he says, there are as many cars as people in the world, possibly, to influence a vehicle that will be around for one to two decades. But Reed also caveats this entire discussion that he's not familiar how a car goes from paper to the showroom floor. There's really two ways. One is blue sky. Like the Toyota GR86, when Mm -hmm. when a car first started, that chassis, that platform, nothing existed. And so they went from sketch, concept, do we think this is going to make money? Uh, not enough. Let's partner with somebody. Where can we get engines from? And then that's the way it, what direction it went. Or is this an existing chassis? It's been around for a refresh, front and rear clips. We can't move the A-pillar. Can't move anything in the HVAC controls because that's the crash-tested part, and those are really expensive to crash. <laughs> and we can just lengthen the chassis and widen it a little bit. And we got our new vehicle, new SUV, and marketing loves that. However... Manufacturers are not in the business, Reed, of supporting your old car. Mm. It's Mm. mostly profitable to do so, mostly, and keeping a car on the road is infinitely better than scrapping it, especially ones that are fun to drive. This is why all the auction houses exist now and are exploding. Mm. But manufacturers will much prefer that you purchase one of their new models. Yes, they, they don't. They don't really. In the same way that your phone maker and your tennis shoe maker doesn't really want that product to last you forever, because they'd like you to come back and buy a new shiny one, so they can make more money. I don't want to put a new sole on there and sell you new laces. Nope. Buy a new pair. Yep. Read in architecture, homes and buildings are not fashion objects. Mm. They're certainly designed with, as you identify, they're designed with a particular purpose, but the style of an old house is still appealing to a buyer years later. Now, you're going to have to fix it up depending on how old and the condition it's in, but the homes and buildings are dictated by building materials, but they're also dictated by geography and time period. Mm -hmm. So when I tell you prairie houses, ranch, Mediterranean, mid-century modern, contemporary, castle, art deco. Yes, all of these, French country, Greek mm-hmm. revival, Spanish revival, all these different <laughs> styles of homes. Yeah. You're not going to find too many uh, Greek revival homes in Palm Springs. True. Yes. Well, but also to your point, people still live in castles. They do. Nobody <laughs> nobody is using their 1920s whatever as their daily. Cars don't, cars don't last like that. True. You put a home up and unless... Just go to know, Bavaria. People still live in castles. Yeah, exactly. But, and, and I know this is a, an American plague where we, we, buy a, we buy a lot with a terrible house on it and we raise it and we build a house all the way to the four corners of the lot. I know that's an American plague. But in general, exactly. globally, you build a structure and that structure lasts a long time and keeps getting used right. for various things. It's the same structure. Not a car reality. Exactly. Now, how about a custom home versus a prefab? Mm. I mean, which do you really actually want to live in? Custom home, of course. Theoretically, yeah. Cost aside, yes. Now, you buy a house and it might need to be fixed up, but you're not going to redecorate a Cape Cod style home to mimic a 20th century craftsman. 
Fair point. You're just not okay. going to do yeah. that. You're not going to take parts along to your new house. You're going to sell it as is. Yes, as I mentioned, you'll install new flooring, you'll install water heaters, mm-hmm. coat of paint, mm-hmm. new kitchen. I get it. New tile, pick up the bathroom tile. Guess what? Home remodel. <laughs> and we're starting again. <laughs> but a house is a house is a house. Yeah. It appeals to buyers for what it is. But home builders make a lot of money by what Todd identified up front, and that is many of the same looking homes. Prefab takes it another step from the four or five select floor plans. But same for buildings. Interiors are gutted. Updated materials and fixtures can be installed. The bones are the same, though. Mm-hmm. Rarely is an office building given a remodel. I've also noticed, Reed, that many old homes near Park City, especially on Main Street, have been restored to look like the original home up front. Yes. But if you peek back just behind it, there's a very large, clean, modern addition on the back. There's a couple on Main Street that are classic, like historic mining homes. And what they've done, this is fascinating. I've been in a couple of them. What they've done, it's, it's an old mining house. This, if you've ever seen a picture of Park City Main Street, there are the, all the multicolored old mining houses. Yeah. And many of them are historic. Some of them are protected. Right, but right. The They're city in general wants yeah. them to stay there. So there's a few down at the bottom of Main Street. Where if you walk in, what they've done, there's this one developer that took like four in a row. Mm -hmm. And so they all are painted similarly, but they're all these tiny little mining houses. You walk in and you're on ground floor and it might be, it might be 600 square feet. It's the original structure. Right, right. But it goes down four stories. So what you're looking Downhill, at from the street yeah. is you're just, I mean, I'm here, you know, and it's a nice little walk up to the, to the oh, the nice little historic place. And isn't this really cute and blah, blah. But it's like 2,500, 3,000 square feet because we just kept building down. And all of those this developer did connect to the same five-story down underground garage mm. that's built like a huge garage <laughs> yeah. for like a condo situation. Of course, they're all rentals. Right, but right. from the exterior, it's just like, oh, it's a little mining house, kind of. Except the square footage is doubled or tripled now. Yes, at least. And the price is doubled or tripled. Oh, yeah. But cars, on the other hand, are sold entirely on the basis of having the latest safety features and technology And the styling is very now. It's reminiscent Mm -hmm. of the times, which is why we say things like, I think this interior will age well, or I think the styling Mm. will age well, meaning one or two decades from now, that's still going to look good. It's not so right now, which is let's sell cars right now. And this is kind of the thing that people like and are, you know, the current taste in cars, which makes them a fashion object first identified by Harley Earl in the late twenties who invented the color and styling department at general motors because he realized, huh? The reason you sold your car was not because it wasn't running anymore. Isn't good. Or you don't dislike it. It's because you just wanted something new. Mm, mm. The end. That's why you buy a lot of new stuff. It's different. Yeah. It's got a few new features, but it looks different. It's new. It's new. Well, thought, of course I want it. I thought it was interesting that Reed brought up Nissan here because when I read his questions about kind of prefab or modular cars, mm-hmm. it reminded me of the Nissan Pulsar NX. You remember that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It came with a sportback or it came <laughs> with a hatchback and it was the same car. This was actually done. It's it, like it a did, late yeah. 80s, early 90s thing and it was an actual modular car. Look up the, the Pulsar NX. It's like 88 or 90. Okay? Totally. When those came out. Totally. And they look like a little front wheel drive sports car, but the back lifts off and you can put a hatchback on it. And it was a sales disaster. Landed with a thud. Interesting idea. It, yes, the idea has been disaster. tried. Yes. Cars are already about as prefab as we're going to get mm. from the, the platforms that are already shared. 
But nobody's adding safety features to their car. I'm not about to install airbags on my 928. Just not going to go about doing that. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. But speaking of which, that was a platform not shared by any other Porsche, which among many reasons, I think, kind of led to its demise. Mm. Now, the 911 is actually in its third platform just since the very beginning of 9-11. In the nearly 60 years it's existed, yeah. it had three platforms. Yeah, yeah. Ponder that for a second. Yeah. <laughs> but the Cayman Boxster, it is its own platform. Yes. By the way, that uh, Boxster platform started in the, the same factory where the 928 was built, used to be built. Mm. But same with the Elise, Lotus Elise. Oh, yeah. Now, there, there are Opel and Vauxhall, the VX220 variant of yes, that car, sure. but uh-huh. the bones are is what it is. It's well, not trying to be anything else than that. And what's crazy is they started selling that in the 90s overseas Crazy. and they just stopped selling it and they have refined that same chassis for the better part of 30 years that's just we good hear, business that just saves yes, you money we here in the u.s got it for about a half decade we got it from 05 to 2010 okay mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but the rest of the world got it from the 90s to like five minutes ago in the late <laughs> like 2020 yeah all right reed i've got some examples for you First of all is Todd's Phaeton windshield. I believe you said that was shared with your Cayman that you made uh, this magic Cayenne. discovery. I'm pretty sure it's the Ca- same as Cayenne, the Cayenne. Yes. I'm pretty sure it is the same one, yes. Okay, so the BMW Z3 chassis is derived from the E36 platform, which carries a few parts over from that old E30 platform, but that's kind of where it stopped. Yeah. The R8, remember? Yeah. And the Gyarado? Well, the R8 and the, now the Huracan. Yes. Same, same car, same, same everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Two vastly different price points. Lotus using Toyota engines. Engines mm-hmm. is a big thing. Yes. From a prefab yes. standpoint, that's already a huge thing. That's just good business. Mm-hmm. Mercedes AMG. There's so much sharing now that Aston Martin Vantage has that four liter V8 from Mercedes AMG. Uh, the Cayman GT4 RS that just got introduced. Yeah. Well, they shoved a GT3 engine in it. Sure. Now, they're not expecting sales huge numbers. That's a yeah. special yeah, yeah. thing. You know, yay, they stuffed the engine in there. That's more like we're screwing around and kind of hot rodding and we really kind of want to dominate this series of racing. That's not, mm-hmm. you know, Cayennes and Panameras. And yeah. It's not a volume seller. Yeah, for sure. Give an example here from Rivian building a pickup truck and an SUV. Yeah. That's fine because they're supposed to do the same thing. Pretty much. Yep. You're either carrying cargo or people. Mm-hmm. Really? That's the yep. whole people point here. Yep. GM has done that for years. The suburban and the, what's your dad's truck? The avalanche. The avalanche. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yes. A Rivian is not trying to be a sports car. The Suburban is not trying to be a sports car. It's you're not tr- right. you're trying right. to do something that it wasn't ever intended. Well, your R8 is not trying to be your truck as well. Exactly. That's the flip side, yeah. I mean, if we're talking about an entire prefabbed portfolio of cars, you'd be Volkswagen if you tried to do that. MQB chassis. You're right. <laughs> hmm, that's interesting. That's all of them. Yeah. Which means you'd have an entire portfolio of cars and trucks based entirely on styling which is what yeah. it appears Nissan is proposing. That's true, yeah. So what is the differentiating factor at that point for very educated, very knowledgeable, and savvy car buyers? And by educated, I don't mean your schooling. I mean you understand what the car market is and does and what mm, you want mm. out of a car and what you're shopping for. Is it cup holders? Is it fence? <laughs> is it leather? Is it just the color? Yeah. Hey, the size yeah, is a yeah. little bit different, but it drives the same. I need... I need seven seats instead of two seats. And so I got this styling versus that styling and the chassis is the same. That's kind of a horrifying thought. <laughs> yeah, now that's striking is. me. I really don't like that at all. They should drive fundamentally differently. They should. Exactly right. But that's just not good business. Mm. And the cars that are just that for their only car, that's hard to justify. It's getting harder for sure. This is one of the reasons, honestly, that I am amazed that the 86 has a second gen. 
Yeah. That platform's not used for anything else. Yes. I mean, at least in the case of the Super, you have two companies using the same platform. With True. the Z4. True. And the, you've got two companies using the same thing. Toyota builds the 86 chassis with Subaru, and I realize that that's shared as well. But that, that chassis, it's not a volume seller, and there's no other purpose for that chassis. If they built a small little, and I'm yeah. kind of surprised they aren't, if they built a small little four-door on that, on that chassis, I think that would make all kinds of sense. A small little four-door hatch. A small little just four-door sedan. Yeah. It would be, look, think about it yeah. this way. It would be roughly the size of the last Dodge Dart, but infinitely better. I mean, the Dart leaves a bad taste in my mouth when but you, you say Dart. But, yeah. but think about the size of that yeah. car. It'd be, it, it, it'd be like the size of a Sentra. Which is economical. But and it'd then be you rear-wheel drive. the heck out of it. Yes. And what? have the performance See? variant mm. of it. And but they don't. They make mm. one car with one engine. Even in the case of the Super, you've got, got multiple cars already. with multiple engines. Yeah. So what if you made? Sorry, Toyota, free free stuff here. What if you made a four door on that chassis? They've got the Corolla though, but that's rear but wheel the drive. Corolla's front wheel drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this would be a rear wheel drive. You could make a honestly, you could make a baby Alpha Julia out of that chassis. And the Alpha Julia was its bespoke chassis. Yes, They're gonna it try was. to ring more. I can't believe out they did of that, that turn either. Up, yeah, I mean that was a huge investment from the Stellantarians yep. to pour money into a new chassis. <laughs> it was which is untried. It was but before, they had to. It was before the Stellantarians landed, though. It was That's before true. their invasion. Now we're all alien. Now it's all the Stellantarians. But they can't come back yes. and say, "Yeah, this new chassis was derived from the old Alphas." Nobody would buy it. Like, really? <laughs> we started, started again. With, we started with old. No, 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 no. You did throw the baby out with the bathwater. Here, Start over. Here's the Alpha offices. Notice it's <laughs> everywhere. Everywhere is a blank slate. Everything exactly. is blank. We're starting again. Everybody right the skateboard to work you better believe it the question read is what do we accept as enthusiasts mm. because it's the buyers that are dictating the market the product planners and the marketing teams are looking very closely at who's buying what this is why we have a mountain of cuvs at every possible car maker will toyota prove that all those suv lovers wrong with knockout sales numbers of the GR86, we hope to contribute to that. We hope to contribute yeah. to massive yeah, yeah. GR86 sales numbers because it is so good. But they make a lot of money building RAV4s and Highlanders. Yes, they make most of their money building those, yes. Ultimately, Reed, sports cars aren't trying to be off-roaders. You're not bringing that kit of parts to turn Todd's Lotus into a seven-passenger SUV, and it's got this <laughs> giant wart on the back. <laughs> I'm suddenly seeing the Simpsons, the Homer, the Homer car. That was just awful. It smells like steak in seats 35. <laughs> Canyonero. There you go. Well done. Good reference. SUVs are trying to be sports cars. I get it. Yeah. And they're now kind of accomplishing that because mm -hmm. they're doing things they shouldn't. Yep. But sports cars are still better at it. Yes, for sure. We're not trying to add passengers to the sports cars just because you have a growing family. No, you're going to buy an SUV for that. Mm -hmm. And that's as prefab as I ever want cars to be. Interesting. I speak for me. I speak for us. I speak for the show. Yeah, yeah. Because this is what we're looking for from a driving experience that is unique mm -hmm. and fun. And okay, it's shared with that car. Cayman's yeah. a Boxster. Yeah, 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 yeah. differentiated yeah, by sure. some suspension and brakes, a little sure. bit of power. And okay. But the unique part of it, that's what car manufacturers ultimately will have to decide. Mm -hmm. Is there money to be made? How long should that car last? How good should it be? What's the price point? Those are all these huge decisions. I mean, well, massive dollars are riding yeah, those you decisions. Make, you make me think about cars that drive really well from manufacturers, but in different markets. So, for example, the Macan, mm -hmm. which is essentially Porsche's hot hatchback. It's mm -hmm. really what it is. It's fantastic to drive. Yeah. You can get it in all kinds of flavors, and it's excellent at what it does. But go climb into a Boxster after that. Mm-hmm. 
and it drives fundamentally different. <laughs> still better. Still Porsche. Yeah. Still has all great things about it. But but e- and even if you decide you you pr- personally prefer the Macan styling and driving to the Boxster, you're not going to tell me they drive the same. And I'll go another one. The Mazda 6 sedan. Mm-hmm. Front wheel drive, mm-hmm. excellent sedan yeah. in that market now. It's no longer made, but that's what that was their flagship sedan for a while. Mazda does a great job of all of their cars being one of the better, more fun-to-drive cars in the segment. It's true of their CX-9 big SUV, too. But the Mazda 6 and the Miata do not drive the same. Mm -hmm. They're both about the most fun car in their category, but they could not drive more different. If it's all the same thing underneath, that's a problem. I think car manufacturers know this, but they're willing to push on that to an extent. Yeah, for sure. And they're willing to push on it for the sake of profits. Mm-hmm. And that's no bad thing because that just keeps the fun models still coming at us. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully yeah. This is why we're in this strange time of old cars that are just that chassis, kind of a sales disaster and almost made the company go bankrupt, but what a car, but now we want it. <laughs> and now, now we totally now, want it. Now bring a trailer is obsessed with it. Have yes. you seen how much this sold for this week? Yeah. Good luck finding parts for that. And good luck convincing any general contractor to turn your Greek revival house into French country. They would say, <laughs> what are you doing? I'm the wrong guy. Why are you trying to, we're do not that? doing this. Why don't you just go by French country? Why don't you move? <laughs> Why don't you move? <laughs> We're proud to have Covercraft as a TV and podcast sponsor. Covercraft not only makes the best custom-fit car covers, but also has all the products you need to get ready for car show and travel season. Products like seat covers, dash covers, sunscreens, and more. They're all custom-tailored for your vehicles and made with a quality and attention to detail that's been standard for Covercraft since 1965. All of our cars are an expensive investment, from personal fun cars to SUVs to cheap sports cars like our crazy ones right now. Covercraft is focused on protecting the car, SUV, truck, or boat that you love. Whatever cover or sunscreen you choose, remember to use the code EVERYDAY21 at checkout to receive a 10% discount and free shipping from Covercraft.com. Follow the link from our sponsors page at EverydayDriver.com for high-quality covers that keep your vehicles protected and looking their best. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. I don't know if you noticed, Paul, but the, the Rotary fans have found us they have. because we just recently did that uh, three-car piece on YouTube. We had the oh, Mazda RX-7 and yes. the 300ZX and the Super, and we love right. doing that piece. And look, we are well aware, for those of you that have watched that piece, and many of you have made this comment, and I agree, 3000 GT would have been great in there, NSX, many others would have been awesome. We were fitting a 22-minute TV episode, and we didn't even feel like we covered those three as well as we would have liked. Agreed. But... There's a ton of great ones out there, but what's interesting is the, um, how do I put this tactfully, the dedication (laughs) of the Rotary owners, Ah, because we have gotten multiple comments and thank you about the Rotary owners that have a Rotary, and it's the greatest thing ever, and it's the most reliable thing ever. Most of them don't realize that after that sentence, they then give a string of all the things they've done to keep it reliable, which begs the reliability question or ignore the fact that the RX seven we had, which I honestly think was the cleanest one I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. Has been over maintained, but in many cases required being over maintained by its current owner who gave us his list of sob stories to have a fantastic car. I'm bringing all of this up because Dakota comes to us with rotary love, which is fantastic. We love rotaries. They're They're brilliant. They're really cool. They are the smoothest engine you will ever drive. Absolutely. Unbelievable how they rev. They're amazing. And and you're right. There have been comments, you know, at 
such and such mileage, I had my engine replaced. But now it's the most reliable thing ever. And yeah. I think, did you did you read that first part? Yeah. <laughs> this, this rotary is perfectly reliable. I replaced my engine 50,000 miles and, okay, hang on, hang on, just stop right there. Just <laughs> Exactly. What? Rewind. Record scratch. Well, Dakota has been found, found the podcast. Dakota, thank you for writing. He's been listening a lot and he says, unlike most park car people that he talks to, we have a definite knack for knowing the right car. We, we, we try. That is we the whole gag. Know. That's the whole gag here, Dakota. You've joined <laughs> us. Yes. smoke and mirrors. Well, he's got a car debate that he can't find the answer to. Everyone he asks has failed to hit the mark. Uh-oh. He's certain there are more resolutions than he has considered. Okay. He is in possession of two cars. First is an 04 RX-8 with a six-speed manual. He loves how it drives, how full of character it is. Full of character. Buy a second engine. Just kidding. Yes. It has some light modifications, nothing crazy, adjustable coilovers, upgraded radiator, a very light tune, a homebrew intake, and Borla exhaust. That is quite light. The light tune increases the rev limiter to 10,000 RPM. That's really cool because they already the, – the funniest thing about driving a rotary is you're driving, 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 driving. And you're like, oh, I really ought to shift. I'm at 5,500. Nope. Nope. You haven't even gotten to the power let's, yet. Let's keep moving. <laughs> Got a ways yet. Got to be a while. Well, Dakota says the car is fantastic, but he feels like it's holding him back as a driver. Interesting. Okay. The second is an 07 Hyundai Tiburon five-speed manual. He it got means shark. Yeah. Tiburon. It means shark. That was a tagline forever. I would never forget it. I love it. that you went and looked oh, up that man. ad. Anyway, yeah. Well, he got this car for free. How did you get it for free? All right. Well, Nobody that's why that car stays car. around. Yeah, free car. Mm-hmm. It definitely needs some love. That's why it was free. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like this Tiburon? It means shark. Please take it out it of my means driveway. Shark. Yes. Please take it away. I'll okay, pay you and to take drag it. Drag it away. He says it needs love, nothing outside his capability. Now Dakota lives in Tennessee, very near the Smoky Mountains and very near the tail of the dragon. Good for you. Which he frequents. Cool, love it. Loves taking the RX eight to the mountains, letting it sing, but his complaint with it that it's a bit lacking in storage space and fuel economy and True. parts are expensive and they're hard to find and <laughs> we'll just stop there. Yes. But he, he says the Tiburon fills that gap. It's an excellent daily, despite it, its list of issues. It's decent on gas. It takes 87 octane instead of 93. Yes. Storage space is great. And since it's technically a hatchback, the back seats fold down. Okay. What he's been pondering is if he can get everything he loves about the RX-8 in a package as useful as the Tiburon. Mm. He likes the idea also of a newer car that he doesn't need to regularly wrench on. Sure. This list of requirements includes... Decent fuel economy, runs on 87, mm-hmm. rear-wheel drive, H-pattern manual, 30000 is the cap for financed or 10000 or less in cash, and four seats. Ideally. Four seats. He's, he's a little flexible, but not much. He, he technically... Four seats. Ideally, he doesn't want a two-seater. <clears throat> he, he could, and I think two plus twos are very viable here because he doesn't want a full-on two-seater. He needs some usability, but he does say four seats. The cars he has owned are all Japanese. Mm-hmm. Honda Civic, a Miata, an RX-7 convertible from 1988. That's a cool That's, car. Uh, what, FC generation? It's the FC, yep. 09 Subaru Impreza, 04, the current 04 RX-8, and the 07 Tiburon. Now, he's 24, no kids, no intention to have kids. Second row of seats would be for his partner and roommate, occasional mm-hmm. storage use. And he says, Corvettes feel like he's consorting with the enemy. Because he's a rotary enthusiast. This oh, okay. wow. This is tribal, folks. This is big time tribal. <laughs> he's even tried looking at them several times, and he can't bring himself to like them. But it's one of the few cars he has not had the opportunity to try. Mm-hmm. Who's got a Corvette Dakota can drive? Yes, because 
it's rotary, 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 and the Corvette comes along and goes big V8. Big displacement. Red line is at 6,000, <laughs> yeah. but all the power is at just 6, above 6,000? Yeah, what low. are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> now, Dakota frequents the mountain roads, so agile is a must, mm-hmm. and lightweight is preferable, but he's turned off by the 86 chassis. Yeah, I want to I unpack this at Screech. length. Yes. Mm-hmm. He it's says, packing a Subaru engine and tech, and his Impreza was the worst car he's ever been in, reliability and driving feel. Okay. He's eyeballed Porsches, eyeballed BMWs, but he's not sure they're right for him right now. Okay, I see that, yeah. There is an alternative to getting a different car, as he's very attached to the rotary engine, we can tell, mm-hmm. and the dynamics of the RX-8. Which are excellent. So really he's good. thinking supercharging. Most people uh-huh. turbo it, mm-hmm. but he's debating a supercharger because it doesn't affect the dynamics of the car too terribly. And and I will admit that Ooh. in general, superchargers I like better than turbochargers because superchargers come closer to maintaining the feel of a naturally aspirated engine to the throttle pedal. They do, sure. sure. But turbocharging is the way you get much much more power. It's much a drunken better. rodeo on turbocharging. It, it's much faster, yes, for sure. It's exciting. I get it. But if he does that, he could keep the RX-8 as the fun car and then keep mm-hmm. the Tiburon. But just by virtue of you writing to us, Dakota, mm-hmm. that's, that's your, you're looking. The, the itch yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Feed the itch. He's worried he will miss driving the RX-8 as he occasionally misses his RX-7. Mm-hmm. He's loved cars and engines since he was a kid, owned, loved owning and driving them. He's concerned that he's been spoiled and nothing will compare to the feeling of the RX-8 and the RX-7. So, we've convinced him. He's thought about it. It's time for a change. <laughs> time for a change. He's Dakota, open. Mm, okay. Wow. Rotaries are very cool. They are incredibly cool. And I've said this before, and I stand by it. They are Mazda's ongoing science project. Mm, yeah. And yeah. Mazda has developed them further than anyone ever thought possible. <clears throat> and they've made them work. And yes, 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 before you uh, write some nang- angry email, they won Lama with a rotary. True. Okay, by the way, they don't keep winning Lamar with a rotary. <laughs> was that was an ongoing science project. One time. Yes, they did. 91. And it needed to run for Lamar, and then it was essentially broken. So <laughs> they're a science project in that they don't have long-term reliability. And, and obviously, if they did, you'd see a lot more other cars with rotary engines. It's Mazda's little side project, and it's incredibly cool. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Why do other car companies stay away? Most every car company you can think of at some point licensed the technology to build a Wankel rotary, mm-hmm. and the only one that does it is Mazda. <laughs> and I applaud Mazda <laughs> for continuing to be like, you know what? We love this. We're going to do it. And they are, if you've ne- all of you listening, if you've never driven a rotary car, find one and drive it because they are very different and a little bit magical. They're in, very in the, special. In the free revving of that engine. It is fascinating. However, Dakota, you need to move on. Mm-hmm. It is okay to drive a different engine than a rotary. That doesn't mean rotaries might be gone from your life forever, but the big thing I want to say to you is the number one thing I have heard from every rotary owner I've ever talked to, including the most angry ones I've ever seen online, <laughs> is that when you start asking for a lot more power is when things go terribly wrong. You're yeah. talking about supercharging yeah. your RX-8, and I think that is a recipe for disaster. Mm. I'm glad that you've had it. I'm glad that you've loved it. We Watch our, for a couple of reasons, watch our piece we did with the RX-8 R3, the last year of that car. We put it up against the Honda S2000 and the first-gen FRS. Mm. It's an old YouTube yeah. piece for yeah. us. We praised that RX-8 yeah. throughout the whole piece. It doesn't get away from the issues that it has, but it was very, very fun to drive. It's time to move on. 
I agree with that. And the comment up front, Dakota, where you said the car is holding you back as a driver, or at least you feel like it does. We want you to advance as a driver. And just because you have this RX-8 that you love doesn't mean that you're done with rotaries. Mm. Even Mazda has made noises about some kind of rotary in the future. We'll see, yeah. I mean, even if it's a side generator that hangs off the bumper of a <laughs> electric something. It's my electric car. But it has an extra generator that happens to be a Mazda rotary. So, <laughs> that that I want to see, yes. It's, it's the so R- with all those extra rotaries that are hanging out. It's the RX-EV. Oh. It's an EV that is assisting a rotary mm-hmm. motor. Talk about technology. Wow. <laughs> I, now I want to see that oh, car. I like that. Mazda, there you go. There's your task. I started out down the road of Porsche 944s and BMW mm. Z3s and Z4s. And then you said, I don't think Porsches and BMWs are right. At least not at this time. Mm. Like, okay, okay. Thought of Toyota MR2s. Still didn't feel quite right based on your driving experience and where you really want to go. So I have your car. Oh, good. It's going to cost you almost $30,000. It is. Because I found you a 2012 Mitsubishi Evo 10 GSR. Oh, look at you. Unmodified with 83,000 miles. It's $27,640. That's a lot of money to ask for that car. It is. And an extra full vehicle warranty will be about three grand to cover anything Mm. that grenades in the future. This is unmodified. We also hope that many of those cars haven't been modified within an inch of their life. And then all the parts taken off and set back to stock and then try to be sold that way. Mm. Because it puts a lot of stress on parts that you just don't know what it's been modified to do. The GSR manual, that, that... Evo 10, that's a very fun car. That has the same buzz and the same excitement that I think you're looking for, that you love about the RX-8. Okay, all right. It's all-wheel drive. It's a sedan. So, yeah, four seats, Mm -hmm. cool. You can find them for 21 is the lowest I found, up to 27. Sure. That's a lot of money for a car that ended production in 2016, but those didn't have the right seats, and so the ones in the sweet spot are like early aughts. Yeah. 2012, 2013, somewhere there, right? But, I, well, I thought, if you're interested in that car, that will ramp up your driving to a new level. That will also, give you the tools. It drives completely differently than your RX-8. Totally. Very so interesting place owning to that, if you're, if you're thinking about supercharging an RX-8, an Evo 10 GSR should not phase you one bit. You should <laughs> be fine with Fair. that. Yeah, yeah. Something to consider. Now, my wild card for you is a Honda Civic Type R. Mm, okay. But it's front-wheel drive, yeah, and yeah. it's out of your budget. Yes, So that's something to aspire to. And then I thought one more car past this Mitsubishi, past the Civic Type R, is a Lotus Evora. Oh, that's interesting. It's technically four seats. Technically. It's a high-revving Toyota engine. It does have an H-pattern manual transmission, and it will not hold you back as a driver. That's excellent. You could get an early Evora. Something to aspire to, Mm. whether it's got boost or Mm. no boost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But start with the GSR, and I... I hesitate to recommend it because of all the potential landmines and problems, but it can't be more than a rotary-engined car, can it? Fair, 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 yeah. That's the only reason I'm allowing myself to recommend an Evo 10 for you. All right, they're there. There's a list of them. That's fascinating. Good. Evo 10. It's got that same like excitement and energy that it does have a buzz about it. You're right. That's excellent. That's my recommendation. That's good, Paul. Well done. Dakota, I, mm, okay, I, I'm trying to merge your worlds. I really got stuck in the concept of the fact you have these two cars doing these two things, and I'm really trying to merge them. It means shark. It does mean shark. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just the, in case. The RX shark. That's where we're <laughs> at. So um, 
Okay. First thing I want to say is I agree with you, Paul. The 944 Porsche would work, but it's Porsche and it's older. It's old. So that's yeah. the concern. I have a couple others that I think merge because here, here's the problem. Your RX-8 outhandles most things in the world that are 2 plus 2. The Pretty nine, much everything. The yeah. 944 being an exception, but it's even older than your RX-8. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so parts and maintenance are going to be every bit as difficult as your RX-8. I'm going to remind you again, please don't supercharge your RX-8. You're going to be writing us with now it all went wrong. I feel very confident about that. <laughs> so especially especially with the sentence, most people turbocharge it, so I think I'm going to do this. <laughs> right. At least go with the flow, man. If you're really going to, anyway. Go yeah. with the known quantity. of Anyway. That's the thing. So Can we not, drive it before it grenades, by not, the way? 944 is a good option, and it merges the worlds, but it's too old. So then I had these two thoughts. Mm. The Genesis Coupe. He has a Tiburon. Oh, yeah. He has an RX-8. You get a Genesis Coupe. Get the, I think it's a 3.6 liter V6 of the Genesis Coupe. I actually think the first gen looks better than the second gen, but whatever. Get that car. They're out there. They're as new or newer than your RX-8. They have the 2 plus 2 real usability, Mm. and they will run on regular gas because they're not turbo. Six-speed hmm. manual, two plus two, all the usability of that Tiburon, and almost all of the capability and agility of the RX-8. It isn't as agile as your RX-8. It's not, but it's close. The other one in that category goes a little bit more toward usability, a little bit less agile, but it's also excellent and really close to that, that Genesis as well, is get yourself an Infiniti G35 or G37 Coupe. Okay. I mean, Z-Car, kind of. Yes, they are the two plus two version of the Z-Car. Yeah. Okay, they've got that the, those great engines that have got great uh, reliability and they've got great uh, manual transmissions plugged into them. I mean, you can get a lot for your money now if you get an old <laughs> 35 or 37 Infiniti G3, G Coupe. I don't know if those will run on pump gas, but nevertheless, I'm, don't let that be the sticking but, point but for they're, you. But they're not turbo, so they should. I don't know if they run as well, but they're not turbo, so they should be fine. <laughs> I don't like this very much. Those, those VQ motors, are, they've been around they, forever. They might. So. Mitsubishi's probably not going to like it too well. No, the Mitsubishi won't because it's turbo and it's, yeah, it's, it's turbo. cranked yeah, up, yeah, but yeah, these, yeah. these aren't. So those, the Infinity and the Genesis, I think are really good options, but I am going to come to a full stop here, Dakota, and I'm going to say this to you. When I'm reading your list reading what you want. You mm-hmm. want the agility of your RX-8. Mm-hmm. You want the usability of your Tiburon. You want a 2 plus 2 with some backseat st- space. Cool if the backseat folds down. You want some storage. You'd like a trunk space. Needs to run on normal gas. Hey, it needs to be modern. All of these kind of things. I have to really push on you, man, because the car you're asking for is the 86. It actually is, yes. Watch yes. our S2000 RX-8 86 piece and you need to drive this car. I understand you've had a bad Subaru experience, but let me put it to you this way. This is the least Subaru car they make. It's a good way of looking it at it. It is far less Subaru than anything else they make. Anytime I had my original FRS serviced at the Subaru dealer, they kind of looked at me like, oh, that guy's back. Okay? So it, it, isn't, it isn't a Subaru product yeah. like every other Subaru product. There's absolutely Subaru parts in there. But here's the thing. There's been known issues with that engine. But by and large, the people that we know that have had those cars, myself included, ran high miles in all conditions and beat on those cars, and they kept running. So I think your Subaru dislike is clouding you from the obvious car in the market that meets everything you've dealt with, which is the 86 chassis. And your new finance budget gets you in a new one. Your used budget gets you in a first gen. I, 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 It's... You it's, could get the the non premium without the ducktail. Yes, and the smaller wheels. Yes, they start at just over twenty seven thousand dollars. I know. Plus taxes, you're right at thirty, Dakota. 
the, what, what if you're even open to it, I avoided it, but uh, I, I think it's there. It's there in the room. Dakota, you're having a blind spot to this car because of your Subaru displeasure. Mm. Mm. And I think you need to drive it and seriously consider it because everything about your email points at that car. And then you close the door on it. And I'm just going, oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's other options. Mm-hmm. We've listed other options. Yeah. And I think you should drive them all. But everything in your email points to that car, not just because I like it. We've talked about the 86 a lot, but because everything you've asked for is just go get an 86. <laughs> right. Anyway. All right. Last thought to leave you with Dakota. And that is your location. Mm. You said you're right near the tail of the dragon, the smoky mountains. Mm-hmm. Don't mod or buy a car just for right where you live. Okay. That, I was a little concerned. You said, I, you know, I go there all the time and I'm going to mm-hmm. make mm-hmm. my car just for the, that's kind of what I heard, even though mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. you're, you know, you're commuting with the Tiburon. It means shark. It does. And Genesis <laughs> means beginning. I've heard this. Yes. <laughs> so I, I just want you to be aware of don't tune it and mod it just for that location in the country. Because what if you move? What if you want to take it elsewhere? You know, sports cars are great from sure. other places besides Tale of the Dragon. There's many cars that are made for it. But don't just get yourself locked into, you know, that. that's the only thing I drive my sports car for. So I mm. might as well... Mod it for times for that. You know, it's and also hope, public roads. So. Yeah, hopefully it'll be an all-in-one is the next thing you buy. Also, I'm going to say this to you. Whatever you get next, drive it for at least six months and do nothing to it. Yes. Because this is the we, – we're by the way, we're all guilty of what I'm about to say. I have a new car coming. I'm going to buy a bunch of parts for it. It hasn't even gotten here yet. At least get it here. At least drive it a bit and see what mm. works and what doesn't and then what you really want to do. And if you really have to do something right away, I will give you one exception, tires. Yes, tires. Yes, absolutely. You've heard us talk about drive homework because it's vital to drive a lot of things when you're trying to find your next car. Knowing your options is incredibly important. And this applies to online shopping too. You don't want to search just one website unless that site is searching all the other ones for you. That's why we love Auto Tempest. We know you've heard us talk about it before and we hope you've already seen how far you can shop with just one search. Auto Tempest pulls from all the top used car sites at once so you know you won't miss that ideal car. Autotempest.com. All the cars one search. Last round of questions to end out the year. We hope you guys have a great holiday. We've got some really good ones as always. We will be asking for more questions the first week of January. We're going to get a lot of questions going there. We're excited about that. I'm going to start right here with Nate on Facebook said, what car is the automotive equivalent to a perfume commercial? Do you have one? I have a couple. You do. But I also want to applaud (laughs) Dammy who said the Fisker Karma, which I think is a good answer a good answer pretty good but a perfume commercial is that thing where after that 30 seconds or minute goes by you sit there on the couch and go what <laughs> okay okay what okay and, and, and nine times out of what ten it, watching? It, it has some recognizable star in it too that they paid money for yeah and so you have yeah. a recognizable star that does whatever just went on in that 30 seconds <laughs> directed by somebody just out of art school who couldn't find a story with both hands and a flashlight Seriously, seriously. And it's over and it's so like arty and not focused that oh, it's just yeah. like, I am confused now. Why are perfume and cologne commercials that because way? Because it's Why? a feeling. Because it's a feel. It's not a story. It's a feeling. I just saw one with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal for, I don't know who, I don't care, mm-hmm. but he was sailing into a giant sun or a giant moon or something. But see, like, that's a feeling. You're going to... Burn up and you're staring the, into the sun. It's the perfume equivalent of the beanies and guitars for doing? the RAV4 of the world. Yeah, the, C- then, of the world. Yeah, I've seen couples rolling around on the beach in the surf. I'm like, nobody does that. Well, but if you do, it's still, it's fine. It's just feeling. <laughs> 
my point is, Fisker Karma is a great one, but here's my answer. Citroen, SM, or DS. <laughs> now, okay. people love them. There's interesting things about both of them, but the general headline under which people do reviews and talk about how great they are, the general headline is, what? <laughs> I'm sorry? <laughs> I mean, just general confusion that eventually <laughs> becomes a feeling where people are like, I like this. So those are the perfume cars. Wow. Those are really excellent. All right. Adrian Holden, 709, says, Now that we've had some rally driving experience, if we were to form a team, Todd and Paul, who would be driver and equally important, who would be the co-driver? Well, you're talking in absolutes, Adrian. Uh-huh. There's too much competition between the two of us. Can we switch every like, stage? Yeah, you'd be like, you got that stage, and I'm taking the next one. You're driving poorly. You just slammed into a tree. Get, get out. Give That's me the wheel. Funny. You know that would happen. So we'd ha- both have to be equally you know, <laughs> up on our notes and both have to know the stages, and then we'd trade out constantly because that would make it interesting. I mean, can you imagine the... Fire drill around the car and the co-driver suddenly driving. The main driver's like, ah. The commentator's completely confused. I'm used to you telling me. Yeah. But that means maybe the co-driver could be faster because he already knows the May- route that's knows? coming at him. That's funny. But he's also used to looking down. So maybe there's you know a little bit of car sickness involved. So we're not sure. <laughs> it, nevertheless, it would make it interesting is the point. It would, for sure. Brian on Twitter says, late 90s, early 2000s sedans track daily crush. This is a hard one because they're not <laughs> good. <laughs> Pontiac Grand Prix, oh. Dodge Intrepid, Oof. and Chevy Lumina. But I do have an answer. And you do. I looked up the photos of these, specifically the interiors, to make sure my memory was correct. And immediately regretted doing that? The track car is actually the Pontiac Grand Prix. I okay. remember having one of those in the early 2000s as a rental car for a couple of weeks when we had our Yukon in the shop. Okay. And I remember getting as a rental car and going like, oh, good. And then being pleasantly surprised by the dynamics. I am not saying it's some sort of standout. It's not. But I remember that it, it was much better because I happened to take it on a canyon road going rock climbing in the time that I had it. And I remember thinking, this actually drives really well up here. Hmm. So Pontiac Grand Prix would be the track car. Hmm. Okay. I would daily the Dodge Intrepid <laughs> because the Chevy Lumina is Awful and must be crushed. It's the throwaway New York City it, police car in every chase and every scene. Is if you're curious, and, just look up the Chevy Lumina interior mm. and imagine sitting there in a daily situation, and you will promptly crush yours as well. <laughs> Pontiac, we build excitement, right? Mm-hmm, supposedly. And then they killed the brand. <laughs> Mr. Lusk asks me, is there a clock ticking on the Cayman? Mm. If so, what's the replacement? I know the faster Cayman. <laughs> You've met Paul. <laughs> Hi. Yes. Hi, there's Paul. He uh, likes Caymans. Like that. And also, how's the expedition holding up as it gets on in years? It's doing great. It's mm-hmm. still kind of rusty underneath. It did spend a lot of years in Alaska and uh, also in Washington, so near the ocean. And the you know when you take the stereo out and you look at the uh, entire structure behind the instrument panel, uh-huh. it's all rusty. Have you done that, have you? Oh, yeah. Well, when oh. I replaced the stereo. So I, I pulled Got that out. It. Oh, yes, that's right. Dude. And uh, discovered a lot of unnecessary rust. <laughs> and the tailgate. Versus the, the vital necessary rust. <laughs> I get true. it. Yes. Uh-huh. It's rust colored because mm-hmm. the tailgate is actually bubbling even more. There's, It was a known issue on this uh, 2012 expedition that the tailgate just rusts inexplicably or it just corrodes. And mm. so the, scene, the hem, when you open it, the hem is really 
bubbling up and and it's the the paint is covering up the rust bubbles the corrosion yes, there's fantastic it's perfect just perfect paint rust bubbles and there's <laughs> it's 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 like you know what it's, it's a terrible to say it's like that scab for me where it's a part of me who <laughs> start picking at the bubble and the other part of me goes don't start that because it'll never end that's right it'll and never end i look on envious as other expeditions from the same model your drive past and i inspect their tailgate Do you with and i find no rust I'm surprised. I want to steal your tailgate and put it on mine, but then the colors <laughs> wouldn't match. They wouldn't, but you know, there I is have paint. To get it wrapped. Yeah. Nevertheless, it's doing great, runs great. I just plan on keeping that thing and driving it into the ground. It's such a great winter truck. I put the yeah. winter tires yeah, back yeah. on it, so the original wheels and tires, wheels are nasty. They need to be totally recoded. So, <laughs> Well, they've been your winter wheels. Maybe but are, are you answering the Cayman question? So the Cayman question, there's no real clock ticking right now, and I've been toying with the idea of a Corvette 06. But Whoa. <clears throat> there's a story around that. Uh, we'll see. Okay. But the Corvette factory, as of this point, because of the Kentucky tornadoes, has yes. been uh, affected greatly, and we're horrified, and we're yeah, very sorry sure. to hear how all the families in Kentucky have been affected by this. It's just tragic to hear, and uh, that has extended to the Corvette uh, factory in Bowling Green. So, yes, uh, not only have... Uh, Family's lives been upended, but uh, it's affected the builds for Corvettes too. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm just kind of holding it loosely right now. But don't get me wrong. I would love to have another faster, better Cayman. <laughs> of course you newer, would. Yeah. But is not there surprising. a story there? Mm. It, I'm saying, yeah. Like, hey, Paul, got another Cayman. Porsche. Yeah. Yay, good for you. Moving on. Yeah, you know, fair what, point. What else is there? So I, I seek out ideas you're trying to do that thing we talk about which is new experience i'm really trying to push it on myself yeah, that's good that's yeah, excellent but I, I don't know if i can overcome it we'll see we'll see yeah the porsche love runs deep mr lusk also just says that he mentions me real quick that he loved my book paper father and he looks forward to reading more man thank you for reading it i really appreciate that you did and there will be more coming uh but you know just got to find the time Peter, are you there? Asks if it's really important for all car enthusiasts to experience all types of performance vehicle architecture, whether that be French country or mid-century modern. Castle. Castles. Very important. Stone castles. Drive the castle. Through ownership and or rentals. Rear wheel drive versus all wheel drive versus front. Mid front real engine. Rear, rear engine, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Is funny. Well, do we think some can just be skipped because one of the others is so much better? No. <laughs> I don't. Thank you for listening. Good to have you here, the Peter. The end. Yes. Because even though it's not for you, at least you know what that drives like, mm -hmm. and you can appreciate elements of that. Civic Type R, Veloster N, mm. Ford Fiesta ST, all front-wheel drive cars that drive far different than you expect. Far better than most people would think, far especially if you have, don't have front-wheel drive experience. You think, oh, those aren't fun cars. To the point where it makes you pause, and you think, huh, maybe I should... Consider one of these. Yeah, Maybe yeah. there will be fantastic front-wheel drive cars in the future. Maybe this will continue. Mm -hmm. And for a price point, that's a consideration. Because we can't all go buy the fun rear-wheel drive mid-engine Caymans that we want. Yeah, We can't. Yeah, budget is, is a concern. So those performance cars that are front-wheel drive, ooh, does it do it for you? Does It, yeah, it might. Yeah. So being open to that. Just might you might make a discover about yourself and about what you like. And if you don't, well, then at least you know what that car drives like and why you love our wheel drive or rear mm -hmm. wheel drive so yeah, much yeah. better. And you can identify why, not just I like it better. Same with styling. Well, sure, I, I just sure. like it better. Well, why? What stands out to you? Same with all those driving characteristics mm -hmm. and the traits that we, we try to identify. 
Peter, I think this is a great question, and I'm going to agree with Paul, but I'm going to give one caveat, and that is I think every car enthusiast should have good experience driving all combinations. I don't think you have yeah. to own all True. combinations, good but point. Good I do point. think you should seek out the opportunity to drive all of them because it just it edu- educates you so much on what you want and why. I'll give you a great example. I had uh, Spot the Mini, and I loved it. Spot was great, but the big takeaway for me was just, you know what? This is the first time I've owned a front-wheel drive car since we've done the show, and there were things about it that I really, really liked, but I realized that front-wheel drive is just not a dynamic I enjoy, even though the car was enjoyable. Now, obviously, I owned it to realize that, but I think you have to drive everything to at least have the experience. For that perfume commercial? Oh, yes. You have one? How about something with a bench seat? So the two of you can get closer. On sure, the but, bench but, seat but now you're get... shooting the perfume commercial. We're just talking about the uh, car that gives you the feeling of the perfume uh, commercial, which I come back to is just essentially, What? <laughs> They're so esoteric. And yes, they celestial are. Celestial. Yes, they are. Am I watching a short film? Is this, what am I, why would I buy that? I don't mm-hmm. want to drive my sailboat into a red it's, moon. It's a feeling. It's just a feeling. We're looking forward to sharing season 10 with you mm-hmm. coming January 1st, 2022 at 730 Eastern on the Motor Trend Cable Channel. Yep. And soon to streaming after that. But otherwise, we're taking a short break and we wish you Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to all of you guys. We're looking forward to next year. Cheers, everyone.